finish it next week, but uh, I have a devotional, and I thought this was good, and it's written by Brenda Kuhneman, Pastor Hank's wife, and uh, it's entitled, and this is for today, it's entitled, Consumed by His House. And the scripture, the prophetic scripture is John 2.17, this is, and his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. She says, diminishing church attendance and involvement seems to be coming an epidemic. People have lost interest in getting deeply involved in the local church. Some of this is understandable when people have had a bad experience with church or felt like a ministry mishandled them or others. However, I always like to compare it like this. We don't quit going to doctors or eating at restaurants because of bad experiences. Bad experiences are to be expected with anything, even in Christendom. If you get two people in any room long enough, Christian or not, there will be problems eventually. Amen? Bad experiences are par for the course, so we cannot let it excuse us from getting behind God's ministries in local churches. None of them are perfect, but God still has given them a starring role in furthering the gospel, and we have to support what God endorses. Friend, the work of God's kingdom is under siege. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but it's the violent that take it by force. In other words, it's the determined warriors of God who in spite of setbacks or even bad experiences are going to dig their heels in and get involved. God loves His churches and ministries, so let's defy the odds and let a passion cause us to be consumed for His house today. I like that. Amen? Consumed for His house. Now, I, say, I said all that I want to say this. Wednesday night, we had a work night. And whenever we have a work night, Pastor Brad and I just look at each other and say, oh, I hope people come. They did. And we got so much done here. And so I want to thank you. As your pastor... There were things that, that have accumulated, just like everybody's garages, that we needed to get rid of. We had a pile of, you wouldn't believe the pile of garbage out there. So, I, I want to thank you for everyone that, that cleaned, that, that worked on the door, that, you know, we got so much done. And this is what it's going to take in the days ahead. Years ago... I used to do a lot of things that I shouldn't have, been, shouldn't have done. Part of it's because I'm proud and I, ha- I wanted it to look nice and it was going to get done whether anybody else. But I've kind of stepped away from that mindset. I just don't do things anymore. It's your job that helps ministry to do that. And so I want to thank you. I appreciate the fact that you took time. We, we got a lot done in two hours but let's, let's do that in the days ahead in other areas. Not just in the natural, but in our spiritual life. Let's make every effort to, to get involved with 
our, our fellowship with our devotions every day, our prayer with God the Father. Let's get to church. It's summertime. Preachers, that's one thing they, they dislike is the fact summer seems to pull people away. Listen, my kids got 45 ball games this summer. I'll probably be at most of them. I believe in supporting your kids in sports. I used to be very more legalistic. You can miss a Sunday if you have to. I thought the earth moved under my feet. But if it becomes a habit, then it's a danger. You understand what I'm saying? So make every effort to get to church. Make every effort to to maintain your fellowship with God every day. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Rosita, did you tell your folks that I usually only preach three hours? But because there's guests, I'll cut it to about two and a half. This year we're on a subject that God wants to bless His people. Why? Because our God is a good God. He's a loving God. He's a compassionate God. He's a a giving God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God's a good God. And that's what we're concentrating on this year is is sharing with you the fact that God wants to bless you spiritually. And let's, let's say that again. God has already blessed us spiritually through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God wants to bless us in the natural. How many of you bless your kids? How many of you bestow gifts upon your children and your grandchildren? Is it in your nature? Sure it is. You know, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've changed on the inside. Amen? I've, I've always struggled with the fact why people have trouble tithing. Why people have trouble giving if they're truly a believer. Why do I say that? Because if you're truly born again, the nature of God Himself is in you. And God's nature, God the Father, wants to give. He wants to bless you. And so I believe this year, I've told you this, God, start expecting these blessings. How many have been blessed so far in something financially or, or gifts or just something that blessed you? Let me see your hand. Well, God wants to bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you might ask or think, according to His power that works mightily within you. God wants to bless you. And so we're looking at this, and very soon here, this before the summer, probably in the next few weeks, we're going to start talking about the spoken blessing. God Himself spoke everything into existence. And words are powerful. With your tongue you can bless or you can curse. 
And so we're going to see in the days ahead how important it is for you as grandparents and parents, whether the kids are living right or not, speak the Word of God over them. Speak blessings over them. Now, did I give you enough time to find Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 2. I'm, I'm going to read, you can go to 1, but I'm going to read to you chapter 2. Because before I, I, I give you chapter 1, I want you to see who you used to be. How many of you ever, before Christ, were characters? Lonnie's the only one, he's still a character. We're characters. But this is way, the way you and I used to be before we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It says, in, and I'm going to read it from the message. It says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhale, exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing. Amen? When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose His temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He took our what? sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on His own with no help from us. Then He picked us up, set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Isn't that good? I like that. Just a little more different translation. But that's who you and I used to be. So I want you to remember that as we read Ephesians chapter 1. And the spiritual blessings we've been looking at, haven't we? We've already looked at the fact that you're chosen. Say, I'm chosen by God. I'm adopted by God. I'm accepted by God. Now we're going to go on and look at another one. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, chapter 1, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bless us, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I like the word every, don't you? I like it better than some. He could have said some spiritual blessings. He said every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him. Chose us in Christ. Say, I'm chosen in Christ. Before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He's made us what? Accepted. Alright? Accepted in the Beloved. Now look at verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood. In Him... 
in Him, or in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He's made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. Say, in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. In Him we have also obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. So you and I, we see, these are our, this is our spiritual inheritance. And I like it the way the Message Bible translates verse 11. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's in Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. If you want to know why you're on planet Earth, then get hooked up with Jesus Christ. It's in Him that we find out who we are and what we're called to do. Amen? Now... I want to look at the next one, and this is what we're going to look at, verse 7. We'll just start and we'll finish next week. In Him we have redemption through His blood. So that's a great spiritual blessing, redemption. Say redemption is a great, awesome spiritual blessing. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Has anyone here ever sinned? Do you think any one of us will sin in the, in, in the days ahead? Well, it's all because of Jesus Christ. He took care of past sins, present sins, and future sins. Now, this word redemption, it's a big word. And when you get into some of these, these words, I, I don't want to uh, you know, make it difficult. I want to make it as simple as possible. That's why I wanted you to see who you used to be. How many of you were ever bound by sin? Or bound by the flesh? Redemption simply means this. And this is how you define this word. It's a release obtained by the payment of a ransom. A release obtained by the payment of a ransom to set someone free. Whom Jesus sets free is what? Free indeed. A release obtained by the payment of a ransom to set someone free, such as a prisoner of war, a slave, or a criminal condemned to death. I thought about this today, and I was trying to think if I knew anybody that had ever been in jail. I'd never been in jail. You know, I probably came close once to being in jail, but back then policemen were nicer. No, they're still nice today. They were more forgiving when I was young. And I was thinking about Pastor Brad. And I don't, I, I don't want to ask my congregation how many of you have ever been in jail. One. Ron, you were never in jail. Oh, you were visiting people. Ron's our legal eagle, our lawyer. So you've been in jail a lot. It's very intimidating. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to visit somebody in jail? Were you, you were in jail? Yeah, 55, years ago. 55 years ago. 
I won't ask for what? Well, I just stole some food. You, st you get stole some food and got, so that would have made you how old? I was You're, 22 then. Oh, 22. Okay. Well, you were young. So did you like it? <laughs> well, I was thinking about this word redeem, and I realized, you know, you, you, this would be a good example because Pastor Brad was in jail. And uh, this is when Pastor Brad was a character. He's still a character. He's a nice guy now, though. Well, he was a nice guy then, wasn't he, Dad? You guys always sit, dad and son, across from each other. Is this the way it is? Or... But he went to jail. And this has been a number of years ago. How many years ago has that been? Quite a few. 01 or 02. Mike, yeah, it's been a long time ago. It, he'd, he'd had a little too much to drink. We've all been there. Well, not. shouldn't say we've all been there. But how did you like it? Did you like jail? Were they nice people? They were all right. How did you feel when you looked out at those bars? Where did you end up in those in that cell? On your knees? Yeah. Uh huh. He said the hardest call for him was, of course, calling his parents. Oh, your brother was in jail too. I forgot about it. Did you raise your hand? Had you ever been in jail? I did visit you. It was the same day your cousin was in jail. What is it with your Liwan family? I remember that vividly. I asked for a Liwan and I got another one. I said, this isn't the right one. And then they brought, then you came. But you were released from jail. I want to ask you, you know, a ransom wasn't paid. I mean, you called somebody to make bond for you and they came down. And how did you feel when you got out of jail? You wanted to find a hole. Okay. You said the hard, one of the hardest things was coming to talk to me. And, but you know, the, the wonderful thing is you had the right preacher. Because I didn't say, well, you know good so-and-so. I just probably smiled. I don't remember what I did. I remember I was in the garage working. Did, I, did you repent? In other words, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And look where he is today. Don't judge people. We have no right. We're so quick. Christians are... You know, that's why my wife plays for Mel... Which one do you pay... Jake's bar. She plays for Jake's bar. Softball. We don't play church league. You don't get people saved on church league. Don't judge people. Love people. Accept people. Give them an opportunity. Look where he's at. In, a, in 15 years, he's still a work in progress. But after 30 years for me, I'm still a work in progress. We're all works in progress. But I, I want you to see, that's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. We were in jail, so to speak. And it wasn't looking good because it was a death sentence. But Jesus Christ Himself. And that's what this word 
uh, redeemed means. It, it talks about, you know, some, somewhere, somebody going to a slave market and purchasing that individual, setting them free. That's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. Jesus Christ set you and I free from being slaves of sin. Amen? Now, there, are, there are, is a main reason for redemption. And there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says, For He made Him who knew sin, knew no sin, to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's a simple scripture. It's not simple, but... It's a great Scripture. God the Father made His own Son, Jesus Christ, the sin-bearer. He took our sin. He became the curse for us. Did He not? He redeemed us. He purchased us back from that from, from eternal death. Sickness and disease. Poverty, lack, and debt. The curse. And He gave us a new nature. That's the thing. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you change on the inside. You have a new nature. You're made the righteous nature of God. And when God looks at you, He does not look at you as a sinner, but as a son. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to go around as Christians with a sin consciousness. We need to go around as Christians and with a righteousness consciousness. In other words, we have right standing with God the Father because of Jesus Christ. We can stand in His presence just as if we've never sinned. And boy, that's really tough on the mind. Because how many have sinned since you became a Christian? It's hard. But we have 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. So, the, the, there's a, a reason for redemption. We're given a new nature. Say, I'm given a new nature. The next thing is, you're given sonship. Look at Galatians. Galatians. The book of Galatians. Now, I'm gonna, I, I give you Scripture, but you need to hear the Scripture. You, don't, you just don't need to hear me. You need to hear the Word. And so, when we're dealing with a subject like redemption, I, I like to give you the Scripture. So, reason for redemption, we're given a new nature. We're given number two, sonship. Galatians 4, it says, Now I say that the heir, as, as, as long as he is... A child does not differ at all from a slave, though he's a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the, listen, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, say redeem, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, say I'm a son. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. 
God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now listen, verse 7. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So we have sonship. Jesus Christ came to find you and I in the slave market of sin and death and bought us out or brought us out of a death, bought us out of our death sentence and made us a member of his own family as a child of God. That's the thing you need to, you and I need to remind ourselves we're children of God. We're no longer dominated by the devil. We have a new nature on the inside. We're in fellowship with God the Father every day through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Spirit. Romans 6.6 says, Knowing that, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Say this with me. I'm no longer a slave of sin. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So, isn't that wonderful? Amen. Thirdly, the curse is removed. Look over just a a page. It says here in Galatians 3.13, we're talking about the blessing of redemption. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He hung on a tree for you and I. He hung on the cross for you and I. Did He not? He took our sin. God placed our sin upon His Son. He placed our sickness, disease. He placed the curse of poverty, lack, and debt. He placed all that upon Him that we might be set free. Amen? Jesus' sacrificial death didn't only pay the penalty for our sin. His, His death removed us from living under the curse. So you and I don't need to live under the curse. We've been redeemed from it. Number four, our redemption is eternal. Look at Hebrews 9. I'm almost done here today. Hebrews 9. Our redemption, say this, my redemption is an eternal redemption. Hebrews 9 verse 11, it says, But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all. Once, that's an important phrase, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. You know what's so exciting is, you know... Christians have a hard time sometimes living together with each other down here. Getting along down here. We're going to be together forever. We get to heaven every Sunday morning. You're going to be coming to hear me preach. Thank you, Terry. I know you'll be there. Nobody else will be, but you'll be there. Faithful Terry. No, you're not going to just hear me preach. You can go listen to the Apostle Paul. Amen. You can, all, all the apostles, you can go listen to David, whatever. 
But think about that. We're going to be together forever, eternity. So we should learn how to get along down here. Might as well. But our, our redemption is an eternal redemption. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, has set us free from the bondage of sin forever. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, has set us free from the bondage of sin forever. Say, I have been released, set free from the bondage of sin forever. The other thing is, and this is what people struggle with, Satan himself has been eternally defeated. Satan himself, all the demons of hell, have been eternally defeated. That's good news. You should have said amen. How come you didn't say amen? It's the truth. That's the truth. That means you and I have authority over the devil. That's why you need to understand And I'll say it once more, then we're going to drop the issue. I told Brad we're done with tithing. Not tithing itself. Teaching on tithing. And he said, you know, you're right. He says, I'm already ready to move on to offerings. I said, well, we're in agreement. But that's what tithing does. It closes the door to the enemy. It's not like I need your money. You've never been... My source. He's my source. And people have come and thought that they had to be my source, or you know, and they find out they're not the source, and then they don't stay here long. God's my source. You come, you go. We're still here. Because my, I got a good God. He blesses me. He blesses my family. He meets my needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But tithing will shut the door to the enemy. Okay? So you need, you need to realize this, that Satan has been defa- defeated. Say, Satan has been defeated. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm looking for a place to stop here. Oh, let me read this. I wrote this, and I, I found this quote by Kenyon, and, and it's good. He says this, As long as one holds his redemption as a theory or as a doctrine, it will bring him no sense of reality. But as soon as he looks up and says, Father, I thank you for my perfect redemption that this body of mine is no longer under the dominion of Satan, that my mind and senses are no longer to be dominated by the adversary, I am free, and by your grace I will not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That's when redemption becomes real. You remember when Jesus, he'd look up to heaven and say, Father, I thank you. See, that's faith. And see, that's the way you and I need to be when it comes to redemption. Yes, it's, it's, it's a 
a mind-blowing subject or doctrine. And when you look at redemption and, and all that's involved with it, but we just need to receive it and simply look up to heaven and say, Father, I thank you I'm redeemed. I thank you, you, you the blood of your son Jesus Christ has, has brought forgiveness of sins. I want to close with this, and maybe you've heard this before. If you, if you have this book by Rick Renner, it's Sparkling Gems from the Greek. And he takes words like re- redemption or redeemed and defines them. But I thought this was good, and because this, this will help us understand the concept of redemption. He's, and he quotes Galatians 3.13, which I already did. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. He, said, he says this, A friend of mine had a goat that he dearly loved. Very late one night, he received a telephone call from the local police who informed him that his goat had wandered away from home and had been hit by a car and now lay dead in a ditch by the side of a road. How many of you got a goat at home? My friend was grieved and brokenhearted, but he knew he needed to retrieve the dead goat. And when he approached the ditch where the goat lay, he saw the goat was very much alive. Its legs were bound with rope, which let my friend know that someone had kidnapped the goat and then dumped it in the ditch on the side of the road. Kidnapped the goat. Jubilantly, he leaped into the bottom of the ditch, pulled out his pocket knife, cut the rope, slapped the goat on its backside and said, Get up! But the goat just lay there with its legs still clinging to each other as if they were all still bound with rope. He hit that goat a second time and then a third time. Then he yelled at the goat one more time, Get up! My friend mused to himself, bless this dumb old goat. It's free and doesn't even know it. He reached down and pulled apart the goat's legs and then he lifted it and set it on its feet. Only then did, only then did the goat realize it wasn't bound anymore. When I heard this story, it made me think about us as believers. We don't need to get free, we are free. We don't need to get free, we are free. Why are we free? Jesus' work on the cross totally purchased our redemption and freedom. Although Jesus broke the bonds of slavery and the devil has no legal hold on believers anymore, most believers still lay on their sides in the bottom of a ditch wishing they could get free. The chains that hold them are an illusion because Jesus already paid the price for their release. That's the truth. Say, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the great I Am. See, we need to change the way we think. So every day, let's, this week, let's, let's do this. Let's wake up and say, Father, I thank you that I'm redeemed. The blood of your Son has brought cleansing to me. Made me the righteousness of God in Christ. Given me authority in Christ Jesus. Given me a spiritual inheritance. 
I'm a child of Almighty God and you're my father. You see how that, that's just a different way of talking. A different way of thinking. Let's stand.